Did you know that when you buy resources from Focus on the Family Canada, your purchase helps strengthen marriages, equip parents, defend biblical principles, and more. Plus, we carefully select every item, which means you will only encounter quality, biblically sound resources that are safe for the whole family. Help give back to Canadian families by shopping at Focus on the Family Canada. Find biblically-based resources for your family at shop.focusonthefamily.ca. That's shop.focusonthefamily.ca. Okay, first of all, it's important to recognize this. You don't have to bring your Bible to school in order to live out your faith because God's Word is hidden in your heart. But if you choose to express your faith by bringing it, just realize that you are representing Christ in everything that you do. So the Bible should remind you that you are called to love the unloving, forgive those who sin against you, and even pray for your enemies. Well, that is John Cooper. He's the lead singer, songwriter, and producer for the Christian rock band Skillet. And today on Focus on the Family, John will describe his passion for God's Word and the importance of sharing godly truth with others. Thanks for joining us. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John Cooper is a wonderful advocate for Christ. He's so bold in his faith and a great role model for all of us about how to speak the truth in love in today's culture. He's a blogger and author who's willing to challenge cultural trends and worldviews that run contrary to the Bible. What we're about to hear is a conversation that you, John, recorded with John Cooper about his book, Awake and Alive to Truth, Finding Truth in the Chaos of a relativistic world. I was away from the office at the time, and I'm a little jealous that you were uh, able to do the interview, John, but on your own. Well, I enjoyed hanging out with John. He is a super (laughs) nice guy and great heart. Um, We should mention, Jim, as a ministry, we're really thrilled that John Cooper is partnering with Focus as a spokesperson for our Bring Your Bible to School campaign this year in October. Yeah, Bring Your Bible to School is a nationwide student-led movement where kids of all ages, grade school through college, can express their faith by literally carrying their Bibles to school. They can encourage their classmates with the gospel and celebrate the religious freedoms we all have to be public witnesses for Christ. We're about a month away from Bring Your Bible to School Day on October 7th, uh, so please encourage your kids to sign up and participate in this wonderful event. We've got all the details at focusonthefamily.ca. And Jim, here's how I began the conversation (laughs) with John Cooper. Well, John, we're so glad to have you here at Focus on the Family, and um, you reached out to us and and expressed uh, support for Bring Your Bible to School a couple of years ago, and you've done some videos for us uh, to help promote Bring Your Bible to School. What drew your interest uh, toward that uh, day that we celebrate Bring Your Bible to School? Yes, I did. I love Bring Your Bible to School. Um, I'm quite passionate about it. I, like hopefully a lot of people listening I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God for salvation for all who believe. I, what I imagine is an army of young people so passionate about the word of God that they not only carry their Bibles where they go, but they read their Bibles. They believe that the Bible is the foundation of all truth. And so I'm kind of quite passionate about telling young people, hey, you live in a, you live in a time when People are not shy about saying what they believe. In fact, (laughs) whatever school you go to, you're probably being taught things that we as Christians would find offensive. 
The world is not shy about saying who they are and what they believe. So why should we be shy about the words of life? Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm very passionate about bringing your Bible to school. I think it's a fantastic program. So I love that. Mm-hmm. There's that element of we are ambassadors of Christ. Mm-hmm. There's that element of accountability. I'm just a fan. So here we are. Yeah, well, I appreciate <laughs> that. So uh, how do you tell your kids that we believe the Bible is the authoritative Word of God? It's true, truth. Mm. How do you share w- that conviction with your kids in a world that entirely dismisses, it mm. seems, the Scripture? And a lot of people in the church don't even believe the Bible is authoritatively true. That's crazy, isn't it? The last thing you just said, <laughs> you think, how are you believing in a God when his word isn't authoritatively true? But you're right. You know, the statistics on, I think the statistics I said on the millennial generation is something like 3% of professing millennial Christians, 3% believe in objective truth. Hmm. And I found that statistic just bewildering. You know, I think... I'm really a product of great, great pastors, and I'm so thankful for my pastors, my elders, my church leaders, ever since I was in college, and even before then, and we may get into talking about my mom. My mom was yeah, kind of the, will, yeah. Yeah, the pillar in my house of, of uh, you know, the spiritual pillar, if you will. But I'm a product of so many great pastors, and I learned this amazing thing that I'd like to share from my pastor right when I was about to have my child, my first child. And he just said, John, you need to understand (laughs) that training your children in truth, that's not my job. That's what he said. That's not my job. Hmm. That's not a school's job. That's not some preacher on TV's job. That is your job as the man of the household. Hmm. That is the parent's job to train your children And I realized, oh, I guess I did kind of think that was the church's job, send my kids to Sunday school, to vacation Bible school, or whatever programs we're doing, which, of course, are are wonderful programs. But I hadn't quite thought about the fact that I need to be the teacher in the house. And so I think, for me, we began this sort of uh, very intentional Bible training, you know, when my kids were really, really small. And I love to say this because it wasn't my idea. It was my pastor's thing, but I saw the truth of it. And we got to live in the blessing of that, of training our children. So we would pray with the kids. We'd read the Bible to their kids. We'd explain deep theological concepts in really simple ways to our children. And we would worship together. And so I think having that, um, realizing that you're not sending your kids off to school for the school to teach them whatever, you know, quote, truth, <laughs> that's in dreaded air quotes, if you can't say me, quote, truth, whatever truth the school's teaching them. No, no, the kids know where the foundation of truth is, mm-hmm. and that lies in the Word of God. And so we would just try to every day show small, sometimes sometimes insignificant examples of why that is, but those insignificant things became very important life lessons. Yeah, little things add up in your modeling, your daily conviction, uh, you're showing that truth um, is real in your life. That does go to your kids. That's where we have to be intentional as parents. Uh, so, John, uh, relativism is really the religion of the day, right? I mean, it's whatever, 
So talk a little Whatever. bit. Talk a little bit more. <laughs> give a, a little more rounded definition of relativism and why that is uh, something that we want to help our kids avoid. Yes, I, you know, I think that you just said the best definition I've ever heard of relativism. Whatever, mm. <laughs> it's true. You know, um, I do think it's important, and I know some people listening might be like, "Oh man, we're talking about relativism again or truth again." And but the culture at large today does not believe in objective truth. And as you just said, a lot of Christians don't believe in objective truth. And so relativism is basically uh, an offshoot of postmodernism that says that there's no objective truth, and that means there's no objective reality. So relative truth is basically whatever I believe within myself. I don't need God. I don't need anything external. All I need to do is look inside my heart, be my truest self, my authentic self, my truth, that's where those things come from. And so imagine being a kid, imagine being a teenager raised in a society that believes that truth is to be found within your heart with no external influence at all. And feeling that chaos being thrown on the waves day Mm. after day after day, and knowing that whatever you're told you have to believe now might be considered heresy tomorrow, might get you canceled tomorrow, Mm. might make you lose friends tomorrow. They are feeling that pressure and it is causing this incredible anxiety with young people, in which it should, because it's chaos. You kind of came face to face with uh, a challenge yourself in the band. Uh, you, You were told by a record executive to not talk so much about Jesus. Explain what that was about and and how that impacted you. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, it, it, that is true. Uh, and it wasn't a record executive, but it was someone in the business. Okay. And this is so important for the trajectory of why I'm here today talking to you, actually, because this conversation really opened my eyes to something. And it was basically after a gig, we were on a tour with some mainstream acts, very popular acts. We were opening and we were just beginning to kind of hit a little bit. But yeah, this guy, um, and in his defense, he was being very nice. I mean, he singled me out and he pulled me aside and said, John, I want to tell you this because no one else is going to tell you. You guys, I believe, could be the biggest band in the world. I think you could be the next biggest band in the world. You guys have the look. You've got the sound. You've got girls in your band. Everybody is looking for girls. That's girl power time, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you guys also sing about very spiritual things. And now people are really, this is 2010, 11, 12. If you remember, the self-help movement mm-hmm. was just becoming really in style. So all of this is happening. And he's saying, people really want spiritual music and you've already got it. You've been doing it. And he said, so it's your time, but you have got to disassociate from Christianity. You've got to stop talking about Jesus so much. Don't do Christian interviews. Don't do Christian music festivals. If people ask you what your songs are about, I'm not telling you to lie. Just don't offer up the information about Jesus. And then he said something else, and this is what got me, and this is what I think is interesting. He said, but John, think about the good you could do for your faith if you got rich and famous. Think about what you could do for Jesus if you stop talking about Jesus. And that was a a turning point in my career because there was a little bit of truth in what he was saying. Just like there's a little bit of truth in what the serpent was saying to Eve, right? That's convicting. Same thing. And I thought, you know what? Something is changing in the way that the world is viewing truth and the way that we are beginning to manipulate things 
in order to reach a desired outcome. And I went to the bus. I told my wife about the conversation. We prayed about it. And it was instant, almost instantaneous. I know that that is not the Lord. Hmm. I know that that is not the Lord. And if this is going to be the new, the new world, the new culture, the new uh, way that people are, you know, trying to kind of steer Christians into a new kind of activism into Christianity that is void of the actual gospel of Christ, I know that I need to be vocal against that move. Mm. And so he was trying to help me, trying to get me to be quiet, and, and it had the opposite effect. Well, <laughs> I know that his heart was to help you, yes, but it, it didn't really feel like it was helping, did it? No, no. So, well, we're talking today on Focus on the Family to John L. Cooper. He has written a book, Awake and Alive to Truth. It's about his faith journey. It's full of really rich, deep stuff. And so uh, get a copy from us here at Focus on the Family. Be encouraged by what John is sharing. Uh, find some inner conviction from his stories and uh, the truth that he speaks about here. Uh, get your copy from us today. Our website is focusonthefamily.ca or call 800, the letter A and the word family. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Deeks Insurance would like to remind our listeners that they have preferred rates for members of faith-based organizations. Deeks has been a licensed insurance brokerage since 1981, proudly serving the evangelical Christian community with preferred home and auto insurance rates. Having started as a family business, Deeks understands that being part of something really matters. Your church might in fact be a part of the larger Deeks family. Find out by visiting deeksinsurance.ca. Deeks Insurance, where family matters. Focus on the Family Canada's Hope Restored Marriage Intensive Program is a proven program designed to save couples from the brink of divorce. For over 15 years, Hope Restored Marriage Intensives have helped more than 4,500 couples, and over 80% of those surveyed are still together two years after attending. If you or someone you know is facing a crisis in their marriage, please call Focus on the Family Canada today at 1-833-999-HOPE or visit hoperestoredcanada.ca to find out more. Focus on the Family Canada wants to inspire teen girls to grow in their faith with a new and improved Brio magazine. By nearly doubling the size of each magazine, teen girls will love the fresh new design, including more articles, interviews, and daily devotions focused on a growing faith in Christ. Inspire teen girls to grow in their faith. Order your subscription today at briomagazine.ca. That's briomagazine.ca. Or call 1-800-A-FAMILY. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Well, John, I so appreciate the passion from which you speak. And as we talked about beforehand, uh, I've seen uh, references in this book to uh, books that I read in seminary. So yay for (laughs) you for going deep on this stuff. Uh, Let's roll back. You had um, a really, you mentioned this, your mom was kind of the key person in your spiritual formation. Share a little bit about her and tell us that story. Yes, my mom. You know, I love talking about my mom. My mom was a Jesus freak. That's really the only word I can use to describe it. I think most people these days know what a Jesus freak is, right? Fanatical about Jesus. My mom would, um, I mean, ever since I can remember from being two, three years old, I remember my mom walking up to people at the grocery store. Can I tell you about Jesus? Oh, you my. know, strangers. I I feel like there's something I need to pray for you about. Is there anything you'd like me to pray for? Um, 
And I had the benefit of memorizing scripture from the time I was uh, just a kid. I mean, three years old, I had an older brother and he was four years older than me. And so before school, he went to school every day. I would have to sit at the table with my mom and my older brother and my mom would read Bible stories. We would read a proverb a day and we would have to memorize scripture. We'd have to pray. And, and those things stuck with me my whole life. And so I can never remember a time when I, when I disbelieved in God. I, I can't remember a time when I doubted that he was real. And I really just think that's from a mom that prayed and yeah. was diligent. And I gave my life to Christ when I was five years old. I was in my room. I was alone. This is the rather dramatic spiritual encounter, if it, I recall. It was kind of quite yeah, dramatic. And, you know, I, sometimes I'm, I'm basically short version. There's a longer version in the book. But short version is just that I just had a sense of someone in my room and I had a sense in my head of the words came into my head, not audibly, you need to give your heart to Jesus. And of course, I knew who Jesus was. I knew that Jesus died for me. I knew that I was a sinner. I knew all these things from my mom's teaching. But so I just in my bedroom, I just said, okay, Jesus, I give my heart to you. And that, I remember thinking that doesn't feel like enough has happened for how real the moment. Yeah. And I just remember saying, Jesus, you're my boss. And that was, you know, a word that my parents used to use because I'm the boss. My parents used to use that word. And I just realized Jesus is my boss. And in the end, I I wrote about it because in the end, that's actually a childlike deep theology of the Lordship of Christ. That's what he is. He's the boss. What Christ says is true. What Christ says is reality. What Christ says you do it because it's right. You get yourself in line with the word of God. And so he became my boss as um, as a kid, and he he's never let me down. Huh. Yeah. Well, uh, despite what you just said there, he's never let you down. Your life has not been without pain. Yes. And um, you lost your mom when um, she and you were both pretty young, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. My mom was very young. She probably was about 35. Hmm. She uh, got cancer when I was in sixth grade. But what I remember of my mom's last three years of life was just brutal chemo, her being sick, constantly sick. And um, obviously, you know, she lost her hair, but she, you know, shriveled down to this 95 pound you know, it was such a horrible experience. It was a terrible, it was a terrible thing to be in a house with someone who's dying. It's something that you never forget. But my mom never, ever stopped talking about the goodness of God. Hmm. Never stopped talking about, I know that all things work together for the good of those who love Christ according to his purpose. Never stopped talking about it. And she would just drill it into me. If I do die, you cannot be mad at God because God is always good. And that became a, that became a foundational truth in my life that saved me from so many, so many things. Yeah. Well, of course she did die. Yes. And despite her charge not to get angry at God, did you? I mean, I I can only imagine the loss. I can't say that I've experienced that. Um, So did you get mad at God? I would say this. Uh, I think in general, I did not get mad at God. Um, I think I handled it pretty well. But I did have a very dark period in which I was just angry at the world. I don't think I was angry at God. I had a pretty good understanding 
that God was good, that God was in control. What happened for me, to be honest, was, you know, afterwards, my dad got remarried a couple of months after my mom died. And my stepmother, her husband had died only a few months prior to my mom's death. Mm. So this is a recipe for disaster. And obviously you're dealing, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm an adult now. I'm a dad now. And I look back at that and I go, I can't imagine what my dad was going through at the time. Yeah. You know, my dad would have only been 38 years old, lost his wife with three boys, didn't know what to do. So it was just a bad situation. And I would have this anger that would come alone. No one knows what I'm going through. Nobody understands. And I'm praying, but I don't feel any better. I still believe the Bible, but I don't feel any better. And that led to what also became an amazing encounter in my life Hmm. alone at night. And I said to God, I just like, I just don't think you're listening to me. I know you hear me, but I don't think you're listening to me. Nothing's changing. And I'm so angry. Not at you. I'm just angry. And I remember praying and I said, I know that you're my Lord and I know that you're my savior. You're my boss. You're my boss, if you will. But would it be okay? I get emotional every time I talk about this. Would it be okay if I could know you as a friend? Hmm. And again, this voice came in my head and said, not just a friend, a daddy. And that, it wrecked me. It wrecked me so much, and all of a sudden, the Bible verses started coming back to me, mm-hmm. that Christ is a friend of sinners, that we cry, Abba, Father, yes. Daddy, Father. And all of a sudden, the scriptures come back to me. I say, what is wrong with me? How can I forget that God has never left me and that he is a father, that he is a friend to sinners? He is a father to the fatherless, the yeah. Bible says. It was, the moment was great, but it was reminding myself of the word over and over, and then and I know this is going to be remarkable to some people, within five or six years of that, it began to be not just that I was fine with it, it began to be a celebration. Hmm. And I know that sounds crazy to people who are suffering. People are listening right now saying, I don't think I could ever celebrate the things I've suffered. I hear you, but with Christ you can. I began to celebrate the things that happened in my life because I know that God uses them to glorify himself. And I know that God uses them in order to make me more Christ-like. And once that celebration comes, oh, that's just such a beautiful, that's peace. That's worship to me. You mentioned earlier, John, how you and your wife, Corey, right? Um, Yes, that's right. How you all have incorporated really regular traditions and patterns in your home around the Bible, around worship. Um, Help the parent who's saying, I like it, but I'm I'm not that. But I hear what John is saying. So where do I start? Where I mean, do I, do I just get a good book or, or what do I do? Right. Great. Great question. I think the first thing I would say is this. Um, I want to make sure that everybody hears me. Again, I did not do this perfectly, and I wish I could go back and do it better, to be honest. But it did transform my life. And I will kind of tell you what I was taught from my pastor yeah. and just kind of pass it down. You don't have to be a genius. You don't have to understand deep theology of the Bible. All that we did was I went and bought a worship CD. And now you don't even need to buy worship CDs. It's on Spotify or or wherever. And then I would sometimes I would pause the CD 
And I would explain what the song means, yeah. you know what I mean? What does this song mean? And one of the greatest moments is we were singing, I don't remember what song, it might have been even an old, like, uh, Jesus, I adore you. It may have been that one, which is a really old one. Uh, yeah, you're making me feel a little old. Oh, pretty old, right? <laughs> Lay my life before you. I remember talking to my you know, four-year-old daughter. Do you know what the word adore means? We just pause. Do you know what it means to adore? Like she's like, I think it just means like, you know, love. And I'm like, well, so I'm explaining to her and this idea just comes in my head. And I said, do you remember when you lost your Care Bear? She had these Care Bears oh, mm-hmm. and she had like the set and then one's pink and purple and green and she had lost the pink one and she was going into a full on life will never be the same because <laughs> I lost the pink <laughs> that she has to have. And I said, do you remember that? You know, you, you adore this Care Bear. You like it more than anything else that you own. You've, you know. That is what it means to adore something. And so I explained to my daughter, that's the way that we are supposed to adore Jesus. His love is better than life, the Bible says. So I just explained that to her. And then I said, so now when we sing this song, I want you to sing the song to Jesus. And so we sing it. And at the end, it was just 10 minutes of worship. I say, now we're going to pray together. Now you have to pray. And my daughter Oh, it was one of the most awesome moments of my entire life. My four-year-old daughter is like praying. She's like, dear Jesus, I love you and I adore you. You are better than Care Bears. (laughs) And I was like, you know what? (laughs) That is one of the best moments of my whole life. So heartfelt prayer. That's what it is. And the truth is, is, you know, here I am, an adult do I love Christ more than whatever my Care Bear is? Mm-hmm. Do I love Jesus more than the Green Bay Packers? You know, or whatever yeah. your pet thing is that you love. Is it actually under the Lordship of Christ? Or do we sometimes love it more than Jesus? It was a meaningful moment. So I really want to encourage parents. You don't have to go absolutely crazy in this. There are some fantastic materials. You guys know We've all got about the materials. we bunch at our website. Yeah. Um, that I've just found... My kids have loved reading as a family. You read for five minutes. You discuss it for five minutes. You sing to Jesus for five minutes. Last thing I want to say, especially to the dudes listening, to all the men listening, it is so very important that your kids hear you pray. You know, some dads are, uh, we're just embarrassed. We don't want anybody to hear us pray. I can't do a big lofty prayer. And so it's that all or nothing. Yes, uh, that's right. Your kids need to hear you pray to Jesus and they need to hear you express love for God and they need to hear you sing to your savior. That's a beautiful thing. So don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. And uh, you will be amazed. It'll take you like seven days Seven days, your kids will be, they will just be changed from it. You know how kids change really quickly? It doesn't take all that much. That, that's been my experience anyway. Such a great conversation with John Cooper, who leads the Christian rock band Skillet. And as we mentioned, John also agreed to be the spokesperson for Focus on the Family's Bring Your Bible to School campaign. That's coming up next month on October 7th. 
Yes, and we hope your kids will participate this year. Bring Your Bible to School is a great way for children to be bold in their faith and share God's love and truth within their sphere of influence. And you know, this program isn't just for kids. We've developed some incredible discipleship and spiritual growth opportunities for the whole family in our Live It Challenges that we post on our website every month. These challenges encourage you and your children to dig into God's Word, to learn more about serving others, the power of encouragement, and why being pro-life is a good thing. So I urge you to check it out. Bring Your Bible to School Day is on October 7th, John, as you said, and our monthly Live It Challenges are ongoing throughout the year. You'll find details at focusonthefamily.ca or call 800-the-letter-A-in-the-word-family. And as we close today, I'd like to invite you to come into ministry with us. A monthly pledge to Focus on the Family is a great way to do that. Uh, a regular gift each month helps us stabilize our budget and allows us to better plan for ministry growth and outreach in the days ahead. And of course, we know a pledge may be more than you can do right now. A one-time gift helps too. And let me say thank you in advance for your generosity. Can donate by calling 800 A Family or again at focusonthefamily.ca. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team here, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. <music>